have a Bible with you, let me encourage you to turn to the book of Matthew, Matthew chapter number 2 in the Word of God. I've been reminded how that people are searching for something to bring them comfort to their hearts. As we have driven around town, we've noticed uh, things a little different and in a different light through this Christmas season. Linda and I have remarked as we've driven through our neighborhood several times how that there are far more houses that are decorated for Christmas this year than there were last year. How many of you have found that true in your neighborhoods as well? Uh, it just seems like they're more elaborate. Uh, the yards are much more regaled with Christmas themes and and so forth than there has been in previous years. And even the Homeowners Association is going to greater lengths to try to decorate the common areas uh, for Christmas, which has been, you know, nice, but a little unusual. And uh, as we've driven through, the other day uh, we had a coal at the house and we decided to take a drive through the neighborhood and look at some of the lights that were on display. And some of the houses, man, they just have everything lit up, you know. And uh, uh, they went to that insurance company that gave them more, you know, and their house is just lit up. And uh, But uh, anyway, we, we drove around and you know what I noticed? That I saw Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer and uh, I saw Frosty the Snowman and I saw Santa Claus and I saw Mrs. Claus. And uh, I saw Darth Vader and Baby Yoda. How many of you have seen that out there on someone's yard? Uh, and uh, I've, I've seen Olaf. Any of you seen Olaf out there in the yard? And uh, we, we, we saw, some of you know who I'm talking about, uh, right, in Frozen. And uh, some of you have grandkids too, don't you? <laughs> and, uh, and I've seen all of these things, but I have not seen much about Jesus. You know, we've reasoned why there's more decorations now than at other times, and we, we, we thought that perhaps it was because people have had such a, a tough year that they wanted to pass a holiday with a little more normalcy and, and celebration than, than maybe the times would indicate they should. And so that's one way that people can say, I'm, I'm celebrating this holiday without COVID restriction in my front yard. I don't know. Uh, I think the other thing is there are more people going to school from home and working from home so they have a little more time to get out in the yard and hang up Christmas lights. I'm not sure. But you know what I found? For as much as they think they're celebrating Christmas, they've really missed out on what Christmas really is. They're celebrating, but they really don't understand what it is that they're celebrating. Now, many of them would say, well... We're celebrating the birth of Jesus. And folks, if that was just all it was, that would be one thing. But understand that that's like saying ice cream is cold. That just is one aspect of what we celebrate. That's just like saying snow melts on your nose. Right there, Sometimes you can look at a snowscape and be in a snowstorm and you think, this is just incredible and it defies our ability to put into terms. The fact is that Christmas is about much more than celebrating a birthday. And if that's all that we assign to it, we've missed it altogether. 
yesterday, uh, we had plumbers at our house. In fact, we had plumbers at our house on Friday and Saturday. And my, what a joy that was to, to entertain some plumbers at our house for two days. And, uh, and, and you know, after having three plumbers there for a couple days, you know, I, I found something out. You may want to know this. Those guys don't work for free. How many of you know that? And uh, so uh, we'll be calling the Salvation Army and Toys for Tots this year to see if we can have a Christmas at our house now. <laughs> But uh, anyway, some of you are like, yeah, okay. You know, and some of you just need to wake up and smile. All right, smell the coffee or whatever. Smell your neighbor's breath. Take, take your mask off, blow, your, blow yours in there. But uh, uh, look, I, I, what I'm saying is these guys were at my house and, you know, they were talking to me in the, in the garage and we, we, we moved down when they finished uh, to, to their trucks and they were telling me about, yeah, we're going to go over to Mexico and we're going to take toys to little orphans in Mexico so that they can have a Christmas. I said, man, that's wonderful. And you know, to them, celebrating Christmas meant being charitable and kind to orphans in Mexico that otherwise would not have gifts to open up on Christmas morning. And they were excited about it, and I, and I rejoiced with them. I said, man, I bet you that's fulfilling. And I, I wasn't trying to rain on their parade and look down upon uh, their acts of kindness towards little needy children. And I'm grateful to the Lord for every act of kindness. But, folks, i got to tell you something. Christmas is not about giving toys to orphan children. never has been. Sometimes what we have done is we have turned Christmas into everything except what it is. And I think that it is important for us to kind of hit the reset button in our own hearts, lest we also miss it. I think I've told this story before. I, I, I know that some of you remember it, my aunt and uncle will for sure, but how many of you remember... September 11, 2001. How many of you remember that day? Okay, I can't remember November 11th, you know, of this year, but I can remember 2001, September 11th. Okay, why? Well, that's when the Trade World Trade Center towers came down because there was a terrorist attack on our country. During that week of time, there was a lot going on in my world. And I had to get a hold of my cousin Stevie. Steve is a, he's a TV show host now. He's famous for being uh, a, a big game outfitter in northern Arizona. And he's led hunts with world record uh, kills. And, and uh, he's, he's quite an outdoorsman. And, and now he has a, a show on, on the Outdoor Channel called, uh, I think, uh, Hunting Camp is what it's called. And, but before all that, he was, he was known in the Cabela's circles. He would tour the country doing seminars on calling in monster bull elks and things like that. And he was on a hunt in the mountains when 9-11 took place, and I was trying to get a hold of him. I had to talk to him about some things even before that, and I kept calling, couldn't get through, and, and I'd leave him voicemail messages. And, and uh, finally, I talked to my grandmother, and she said, I think Steve is on a hunt up in the mountains, honey, and, and uh, he'll, he'll get your messages whenever he comes out, and he'll call you back. And sure enough, uh, on about September the 14th, I got a call from my cousin Steve, and he was in Flagstaff, and he said, Hey, Mark, I, I just came out of the mountains. I've been out of cell, uh, 
service for a few days, and I, I noticed that you tried to call me several times. I got your message. I wanted to call you right away. What's going on, man? I said, you just came out of the mountains? He said, yeah. I said, do you know what's going on in the world? He said, no, what? I said, well, while you were hunting in the woods, terrorists attacked the World Trade Center and the Pentagon and, and tried to attack the, the Capitol building, and, and uh, thousands of people have died, and, 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 and right now we're under siege, and the nation's under lockdown. He's like, you're kidding me. You see, he went into the woods, and when he came out, the world had changed forever. He didn't know it. And the fact is that there were people in Bethlehem that were within just a few meters, a few feet, of the most overwhelming and significant event to have happened there in human history for them. And they were utterly unaware that the world had changed forever. The fact is, we need to consider the truth today. And in Matthew 2, it says, Now when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and are come to worship him. When Herod the king had heard these things, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. When he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he demanded of them where Christ should be born. And they said unto him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet, And thou, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, art not the least among the princes of Judah, for out of thee shall come a governor that shall rule my people Israel." Then Herod, when he had privately called the wise men, inquired of them diligently what time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search diligently for the young child. And when you have found him, bring me word again that I may come and worship him also. When they had heard the king, they departed. And lo, the star which they saw in the east went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. When they were come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary his mother, and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented unto him gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And being warned of God in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed into their own country another way. Father God, I pray that you would help us in these few moments to draw the truth that is set before us. And although we have read these scriptures many times, may we see them in a different light. May you bring them home to our hearts in a new and powerful way that would be transformative. And may we not be like so many who miss Christmas because they do not understand for this we pray, in the wonderful name of Jesus, Amen. Let me say to you that the real meaning of Christmas is not just in the birthday of Jesus. It is wrapped up in what the angel Gabriel said to 
Joseph in the preceding verses in chapter 1 when he said, And she shall bring forth a son. Okay, that's, that's where Christmas ends for most people right there. Little baby in a manger. We've got a nativity scene in the front yard. And we've got the wise men there. We've got the angels there. We've got Mary and Joseph. And we have a little tiny Ken Barbie land in the manger scene. And that's where we've relegated Jesus to as a role player in the tradition of Christmas. And we've missed it. She shall bring forth a son. Now here is what Christmas is. And thou shalt call His name Jesus. Why? For He shall save His people from their sins. If we make it all about the birthday of the Christ child, and that's it, we've missed it. We've missed it. Most of us have seen the movie A Christmas Carol and... and uh, uh, and Ebenezer Scrooge, uh, seeing all of these visions in a dream and, and then waking from it and hoping that he hasn't missed Christmas. And he said, did I miss it? Is it over? And the fact of the matter is that one day there are going to be those that awaken from something that they believe to be a nightmare and realize that they've missed the event for which Joy to the World was written. And I'm not talking about the first advent of Christ. The reason why joy to the world was written was to celebrate the second coming of Jesus. His coming in glory. And the fact of the matter is that that will bring great joy and wonder to all that know Him, but great consternation and despair to all those who have missed it. And today I believe there are those even that go to places that call themselves churches, where the church will be decked out with all of the trimmings of Christmas, and, and they'll have a wonderful sense of Christmas, and foods of Christmas, and the sounds of Christmas, and the music of Christmas, and sadly they will have missed it, because they will sing about Frosty the Snowman. I'll never forget, uh, I remember a couple of years ago, uh, that uh, Leslie Joyner came and was talking to me, and she had been invited to a Christmas program at a very large church uh, here in the valley, and she, she went to see some of her neighbor children, I believe, singing a Christmas program there, and uh, I, I I saw her later that evening at our church's uh, Christmas uh, Eve service, and, and she was moved to tears. She said, Pastor, I sat through a program with thousands of people in a so-called Christian church, and they sang about Frosty the Snowman, and they sang about Santa Claus is coming to town. And in a church service that's supposed to be about Christmas, we never one time heard the name of Jesus. And they missed it. It's possible for you to go to church and to have a Christmas tree and to send cards and to bake fudge and have cookies and presents under the tree and miss what Christmas really is. God forbid that we should. The fact is that as we consider the narrative of Christmas, that Christmas is really all about the fact that his name shall be called Jesus, and that He shall save His people from their sins. For Jesus is 
what we is the derivative Yeshua, captain of our salvation. He is our Savior. And praise the Lord that He has come to save His people from their sins. There are many in Israel that missed Christmas that did not have to. As we consider the passages of Christmas, both in Matthew 2 and in Luke chapter 2, we know that the Bible reveals to us that Mary and Joseph went to Bethlehem to be taxed and to be counted in the census according to the edict of Caesar Augustus. And when they arrived there, we know that the town was bustling with visitors who had come to pay their taxes and to be counted. And and there was no room... In the end, the Bible says in verse 7 of Luke 2 that she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the end. We give the innkeeper a hard time, but there's not much really that's said about him in the Word of God other than that we know that there was an inn with no room in it. The fact is Hollywood has put him in as a role player in this narrative and we have as well. And there's something here to be said about the fact that The city was bustling with activity at this time of year. We do know that there was an inn. We do know that there was no room in it. We also know that the innkeeper, not being a cruel-hearted man, offered for them to have a place to stay so that the baby could be born at least on a bed of hay and just not out on a rock somewhere in the cold night. And so the innkeeper... Uh, really was taken up with many things and he missed what would have been the greatest event that he could have ever experienced. He missed it. Why? Well, there was no room in the inn and he put them in the stable because really he didn't know who Jesus was. He didn't have any idea who it was to be born. He was ignorant of the truth. And many missed Christmas because they were ignorant of the real meaning of Christmas. They, they have a holiday. They have a a tradition that goes along with the holiday, and they call it Christmas. But you can call something whatever you want to, that doesn't make it what it is. The fact is, that there was no room. That innkeeper was no doubt overwhelmed with business during the census time. People were coming and going, the likes of which he had never seen. And so he was taken up and preoccupied with the reality that this week he could make more money than he'd made all year long. He didn't have time to uh, try to uh, be the junior Messiah for women that were in labor on that night. He had money to make, people to see, things to do. The reality was taken up with what he had to do and so preoccupied with it that he missed it. The other day I walked into a store, and as I walked into the store, there was a bell ringer there outside of the store. How many of you have seen a bell ringer already this Christmas? And and there was the red bucket hanging up there on the little tripod, and the bell ringer uh, there ringing the bell. And, And on that red bucket, there was a logo. Okay? Are you tracking with me? Nod or something. Okay, 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 good. Uh, So, and on that logo were two words. Do you know what it said? What? Speak up, you have a mask on. (laughs) Okay, good. All right. said Salvation Army. Okay. I wonder how many people really 
that walk past the bell ringer, or even that put money in the bucket, stop to consider the significance of that. Now most of us, when we think of the Salvation Army, do you know what we tend to think about? We think about an organization that helps people in times of distress. We think about people that organize when there's been a natural disaster in the Gulf states. We think about those that will help to provide food, clothing, and shelter for someone whose home has been burned to the ground. Right? We think about those that will serve a holiday meal to people that are homeless. They are a charitable organization. But I've got to tell you something. That's not really what Salvation Army started out as. That's not really what their primary mission was. Why do you think they call themselves an army? Well, because they were militantly dedicated to the purpose of salvation of lost souls. That's what it was about. And so they were going to mobilize in ranks to strategically enter into this world's domain and charge the gates of hell with the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And you know what? There are multitudes of people that go by, even the liberal media that hail the Salvation Army, that if they really understood their roots, would never give them a minute's time on the 6 o'clock news. But they've missed the reason why they're there. And there are many people even perhaps here today that will donate to the Salvation Army that don't even understand that their primary mission for years had been the salvation of the lost. My favorite verse at Christmas, I say it every year, is 1 Timothy 1.15. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom... I am chief. I'll tell you this. The innkeeper was taken up with the fact that he didn't know who Jesus was. He was really busy making money and he didn't have time for that right now. And he missed it. Though it happened underneath his nose. Herod, the king of Judea, had no room in the palace. He was driven about by fear, thinking that someone would rise up to threaten his position or his succession as king. That that would put him in bad stead with Julius Caesar or Caesar Augustus. And, and so he was afraid, and so he wanted to somehow circumvent what the prophets have said and kill the baby Jesus. And you know that the Bible records and one of the prophecies fulfilled through the nativity of Christ was the fact that these innocent children in Israel, two years of age and under, were slaughtered in an effort to snuff out Jesus. Herod had heard about it, but you know what? He missed the event. He didn't understand that the Savior came not to subvert His throne, but to save his soul. And he missed it. He was so driven about by fear and wondering who could this be that these wise men from the east have told him about, he called together the rulers of the Jews. And the Bible reveals to us there in Matthew 2 that he gathered together because he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. And it says, when he had gathered all the chief priests and the scribes of the people together, he demanded of them where Christ should be born. And they said, 
in Bethlehem of Judea. For thus it is written. For thus it is written, where? In the prophet. In other words, what they're telling him is that in our Bible, in our holy scriptures, it tells us in the prophets Isaiah and Jeremiah specifically that Jesus the Messiah would come and that he would be born in Bethlehem of Judea. And it continued to say, and they quoted, And thou Bethlehem in the land of Judah art not the least among the princes of Judah, for out of thee shall come a governor that shall rule my people. When Herod, when he had privately called the wise men, inquired of them diligently what time the star appeared. So what did the rulers of the Jews do? Well, they quoted what the Bible said. And they knew it. Now folks, I want to say this to you. We can give a pass to a lot of people that have missed it. But we can't give it to the religious people that knew what the Scriptures said and did nothing about it. They knew it so well that they quoted it before a king. There really is no excuse there for the rulers of the Jews. They said, it is written by the prophet. He called the scribes together. It was their job to see to it that the Scriptures were faithfully preserved and recorded. They of all people would have known what their scriptures said about who should come and where he would be born. They should have led a pilgrimage to Bethlehem. But they didn't. I want to remind you that the prophets said that unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders. And His name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Of the increase of His government and peace, there shall be no end upon the throne of David and upon His kingdom to order it and to establish it with judgment and with justice from henceforth, even forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. And they knew it. And they knew where it was going to happen. And when now they had an indication that there was a star that had appeared to give some idea to men in the east that this event was about to happen, do you know what the scribes and the rulers of the Jews did? They went home. They were so wrapped up in their self-righteous pride that they were indifferent to the news that there were those that were in search of the Messiah, for they had seen a sign in the heavens that indicated to them that He would be born. And they left the palace of Herod and they went home. I'll remind you that the Bible tells us in Romans chapter 15 and verse number 4, For whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning that we through patience and comfort of the Scriptures might have hope. You see, those Portions that they quoted were written aforetime for their learning that it may lead them to a place of hope. And they learned it well enough that they quoted it to a king. But they found no hope in that which they professed because they went home even as Herod ordered the slaughter of the innocents. And do you know what? I'm going to say this to you. There are many of us that we know what the Bible says. We've read it. We can quote it. 
And we hear it proclaimed loudly. And we're given every indication by God's people that Jesus is coming and soon. And we see the signs of it. And do you know what we do? We go home. Just as the scribes and the rulers of the Jews who were indifferent. This year has not been good for the church. Are you aware of it? How many of you know that? You know that this year has not been good for the church. How many of you know it's not been good for anybody, really, except maybe the pharmaceutical companies and Dr. Fauci? But, uh, you know, listen, it's not been good for very many people. And while we've endeavored to be socially distant, you know what's happened? We've grown spiritually distant. I know very few people, if any, that can say, spiritually I'm at a better place today than I was this time last year. I'm more fervent and passionate for souls today, one year closer to the return of the Lord than I was a year ago. I don't know anybody like that. Well, we know what the Bible says. We know that Jesus' coming is imminent. They knew back then, as they stood before Herod the king, that Jesus would be born in Bethlehem of Judea. And now they have a sign that would indicate that event may be upon them. And they just went home. You know what we do? You want to sing Christmas carols and have our hearts warmed? Look at pictures of kittens wearing Christmas hats and eat fudge while we watch a Christmas carol on Christmas Eve. Oh, but we know! Well, where's the living hope? Where is that within us that believes it such that we're not just going to go home in our indifference and just live tomorrow as we did the day before we knew it? The fact is, that's what the rulers of the Jews did. They said, oh, we know, it's written right here. It's in our Bible. This, let us quote it to you. Oh, you've seen a star? It's going to be in Bethlehem? Okay, great, wonderful. They went home. Jerusalem missed it. The people of Israel in the seat of their worship were so caught up in their traditionalism and ritualism going about to keep the ceremonial law, observing feast days, and, and, uh, and going about to offer sacrifices that they missed the Lamb, the great Passover Lamb. Jesus. They missed it. And unfortunately, there are too many today that are going to places that call themselves churches, that have their ritualism and their traditions about Christmas, and people have their hearts warmed, and they laugh, and they hear funny stories, and they eat popcorn balls, and they put ornaments on trees, and they send toys to tots, and the fact is they've missed it. Oh, we know it though. But we act as if we never heard it. 
The rulers of the Jews act like, act like they never heard it. The people of Jerusalem acted like it would never happen. They were so caught up in their traditionalism and ritualism. And, and if we're not careful, we, we just have our family tradition. And uh, the rest of anything that's going on in the work of the Lord is going to take a back seat if it can be found, if we can find time for it at all. Because we, after all, we have our traditions and rituals that we have to follow. Everybody's so relieved to know that every Christmas Eve the service only lasts 57 minutes and we'll be in and out so we can keep up with our traditions. We want to have a two-week celebration of narcissism and a one-hour celebration of the King of Kings. What I'm saying to you is, look, some of you are looking at me right now like a calf staring in a new gate. Like, this is Christmas, and you know, listen, I want to ask you a question. Do you really believe this is about a Savior named Jesus who came to save His people from their sins? If you really believe that, what are you doing to get that news out there? Who did you invite to church this week? Who did you witness to this week? Well, we have a list of who we're sending Christmas cards to. Wonderful. Did you send the gospel? Oh, we're going to make sure that we go, you know, see a Christmas carol like we do every year, or we're going to we're going to go watch some some movie about the Grinch stealing Christmas or something like this, and and then get upset if we spend more than sixty minutes in a church house celebrating Jesus. Oh, but we know, we know. Jesus returned from fleeing into Egypt with his parents and, and arrived in Nazareth and, and the people of Nazareth never accepted and believed him. And the story of Jesus' ministry in Nazareth, the place where he returned to as a young child, was that he could do no mighty, mighty work there because, look, they did not believe him. They were so familiar with Jesus that they didn't believe that he could be the Messiah. They saw him every day. They thought he was a great guy, but man, he went to school with their kids, and you know, I mean, what does he have that they don't? You know what? Sometimes we're so familiar with the story of Jesus, it becomes academic. We know it, but do you believe it? Has it produced a living hope within you? Or are we like the scribes, the rulers of the Jews? We can quote the scriptures. Then we go home and celebrate our tradition. And we never let on that we really understand it. And when we do that, we've gone into the woods not realizing the world has changed. And we miss it. We miss it altogether. I would tell you that there are those that did not miss it. The shepherds who were not allowed into the temple, who were despised in Hebrew culture in that day because they often touched death and were considered to be unclean. Simeon believed God and was able to see the glory of the Lord revealed. At Christmas, Anna believed God was able to see it. 
Elizabeth believed God. John the Baptist believed God. But listen, it changed their life because they chose not to miss it. God will reveal Himself to believing hearts. God has revealed Himself throughout the Word of God. As I've read the Gospels this week, I've been overwhelmed with the number of times the word fulfilled or fulfill was found in there and indicating that it was done so to fulfill what the prophets said. To fulfill what the prophets said. Why? That it would prove beyond any reasonable doubt that Jesus is indeed the Messiah of God come to save His people from their sin. He came to fulfill all righteousness and to fulfill all that had been foretold. And we have a record of it. But we have missed it. As I mentioned, I, I had plumbers at my house yesterday. and As we talked, I walked out to the truck with them when they were done. And uh, just was visiting with them about their Christmas. And I said, let me, let me ask you something. You guys know for sure that if you died today, you'd spend forever in heaven with God. They said, yeah, I, I did that. They both gave me a testimony. And I said, fellas, I'm so happy you're going to take toys to, to kids at an orphanage. That tells me I had some really nice guys working on my house. But that's not Christmas. Christmas is that Jesus came to save His people from their sins. I said, I'm so glad you didn't miss it. Folks, I'm going to tell you something. There are folks that call Freeway home that if they're not careful, they're going to miss Christmas. Oh, they'll celebrate an event and they'll call it Christmas. But they've cut the heart right out of it. You see, she shall bring forth a son and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. That's why he came. And my friends, I'm not mad at anybody. I'm concerned about the state of the church. Not just Freeway Baptist Church, but as I see it in this country. Let's just tune up the band and play another song. Let's just form a new sports league that can be more distanced. And while we're making up things to keep ourselves busy and to mollify our consciences for growing spiritually distant from God, the world is dying in their sins on their way to a devil's hell. And they've missed it. I'm afraid there are people sitting in a church house right now that if the trumpet should sound a day for Jesus' coming, they'd miss that event too.
You know what I believe honestly? It's going to be a minute before we have the opportunity to dispose of all the masks and just pedal to the metal full throttle ministry. It's going to be a minute. But we're but I'm going to tell you something. We're not caving in to the devil's offensive against the church of the living God. The Bible says the gates of hell not prevail against us. But I believe our dedication to that fact and our commitment to that truth over the next several months may prove whether we have a church a year from now. Because we heard six months ago from several thousand churches surveyed that fully one in five of them said that they would close their doors forever because they couldn't sustain what was happening through this time. I have an idea that number has risen as this thing has continued to play out. Folks, I pray to the Lord every day that those who are socially distancing wouldn't be spiritually distant. That we wouldn't try to somehow comfort ourselves like all my neighbors going to celebrate Christmas in COVID. Try to comfort ourselves with all of the things that the world is seeking after but that we would draw near to the Lord and that we would understand that Christmas is all about not giving toys to kids and food to homeless people, but the gospel that Jesus saves. And we walk by a bell ringer, we see Salvation Army, and we think, they're saving a lot of people who have been displaced. They're saving a lot of people that are poor. And that's not why they came to be. It was to bring many souls, rich and poor, black and white, to saving faith in Jesus Christ. Let's not walk past the bucket miss that point. Folks, determine that this Christmas your tribute to God is not 57 minutes on the 24th. But telling someone what Christmas is really all about. Don't miss it. Lord God, we thank You for this time that we have to just consider the truth. Lord, may we not have an academic understanding of the truth, but lead us, Lord, to make it a living, breathing dynamic in our lives. Lord, I pray that we might understand that there's a world around us in need. Lord, I pray that 
while we're making cheese balls and fudge, that we would not forget that the delivery man needs the Lord and the postman needs the Lord. The gas station attendant needs the Lord. God, I pray that we would help them understand what it's really all about so we will not miss it. Our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed for just a moment. Perhaps they're seated in this room someone that in your heart you just do not know that if you died right now that you would go to heaven to be with the Lord and you're concerned about that. And if that's you, I don't want to embarrass you at all, but I I want to have this opportunity just to, to pray for you. And so this morning, if you do not know that if you died right now that you would go to heaven to be with the Lord, but you're concerned about it, you would say, Pastor, I don't want you to embarrass me, but I would appreciate it if you would pray for me. If that's you right now, while no one is looking except me, I wonder if you'd just lift your hand up and say, here's my hand, Pastor, pray for me. Is there one at all like that? Here's my hand, Pastor, pray for me. Is there one? And maybe there's someone that would say, Pastor, I know I'm saved. I know I'm going to heaven. But I've been living like I really don't know the real meaning of Christmas. I'm making fudge and bacon cookies and sending cards and buying gifts, but I'm not really living out that I believe the meaning of Christmas is Jesus came to save sinners. And God's convicting my heart that while we're social distancing, I don't want to be so distant that I miss doing what Christmas is really all about. Pray for me, Pastor. Here's my hand. Is there one like that? Anyone at all? Pray for me. I, I don't want to live this Christmas missing it. God's speaking to my heart. Pray for me. This morning, I believe that there are those in this room that that have some area that maybe God's working on. I, I, I have to tell you that this has been a very staid and muted crowd this morning. Um, I, I've had probably less response, visceral response from folks than in any sermon I can remember preaching recently. And I can only take that to mean that there's a battle waging right And I pray that God would allow the truth of what's been spoken to settle in each of our hearts. And that we would not, like the scribes and the rulers of the Jews, just go home. God forbid. But may we realize that God wants us to live a different life through these days. Father God, I pray right now that you would be with these precious folks. Lord, help us to consider the truth that's been shared today. And Lord, although perhaps for some it was a wake-up call, maybe it was a little startling, I, don't, I do not know. However you're using it in a heart, God, I pray that you would please allow the seed sown to fall on fertile soil. And may you receive all of the glory. For this we pray 
in the wonderful name of Jesus. Amen. Amen.